The hunter or the hunted? The sheep or the ravenous wolf? One cannot be both at the same time. One is either predator or prey. There is no in-between. Nothing more than a distant shimmer. Nothing more than the distant light of a distant star refracting off space dust. The obsidian black knife-like ship cuts through the dark cold void of space. Even if one was to train sensors on this distant shimmering object, it would return nothing. A shadow among shadows, the most deadly of all hunters, using stealth over brawn. Inside this rather small, dagger-like vessel sits a woman. A woman wearing a skin-tight black flight suit with a matte black helmet with a visor covering her face. This ship is small, designed for speed and stealth and quick hops through the drift. This is not a vessel designed for long-term hauling or spaceflight. The cockpit is narrow and tight, with two seats arranged in tandem with each other. Behind the cockpit area, there's a very small fold-down bunk, a few instruments to do what you need, a locker for storage, and barely enough room to stand up. There's no recreation facilities, or mess hall, or anything like that. It doesn't even have a proper airlock, hence why the pilot of this vessel is wearing an environmental suit, which also doubles as a flight suit. The inside of this vessel is more or less empty. There's really nothing in here. It's been rather fastidiously maintained and cleaned, and the only source of any kind of garbage or debris or anything like that is a neatly stacked pile of single-use, empty, Vitapro reheatable containers. Remember, Vitapro, it's all you need. Besides the rather muted flashing of some of the instruments on the panel in front of her, the only other source of color within the entirety of this vessel is a patch on the side of the flight suit. This patch is an intricately tied yellow knot on a green background. The woman seated at the controls suddenly reaches out a finger and pushes on one of the flashing buttons. In front of her, on the display, we see a familiar-looking ship. A familiar-looking converted freighter, the second chance. As this scene fades out to our intro title, in a monotone voice, we merely hear, I am the wolf. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll. As always, I am your host, player, and GM, Hero Cities. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to tune into this podcast and listen along. As should be plainly evident, it has been some amount of time since I was last able to record and produce an episode due to real-life work commitments, which is likely going to continue into the future. My plan is to still try and record and release episodes as I'm able, but I don't think I'm going to be able to maintain the one episode a week like I was originally doing. However, that being said, this podcast is not going anywhere, and even if we do end up eventually concluding the story of Nikora Sokolov and the Second Chance using the Iron Sworn Starforge system, 
I have a whole catalog of other various role-playing games I would love to explore and create new stories with all y'all listening along to them. As should be evident from our little introduction we had, somebody is after the second chance. Somebody whose clock is almost completely full. Obviously, keeping a little bit of mystery about revealing who exactly this person is makes it a little more interesting for me. You should be able to figure out, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, just who this person is. However, beyond that, we're looking pretty rough. Right now, Nakora has one health, one spirit, one supply, three momentum, and the second chance itself has one hall integrity left. We're in rough shape. I was hoping that we would have been able to get a little bit more rest and recuperation on Osseus during the last episode, but given the events surrounding Nakora and Creed and that whole situation... It just seemed a little more reasonable for them to abscond out of there. However, having successfully completed that Iron Vow did net us two experience, which we are now going to spend to improve our starship, the second chance. We're going to get a upgrade to the asset. When you finish an expedition, dangerous or greater, in your starship and score a hit, this journey strengthened your ties to your ship and any fellow travelers. You and your allies may mark one tick on your bond's legacy track. Given the amount of time we spend aboard the Second Chance and traveling through the drift and discovering various things, this just feels like a natural progression for Nakora. He's starting to get fairly close to Petra, who, although has been a little distant ever since Tinker appears to have accidentally integrated Subject Alpha into Chance's systems or something like that. And she also blames Nakora for allowing Subject Alpha to remain on board the Second Chance instead of disabling it or deactivating it or even destroying it as she was originally attempting to do. Regardless, this is our first advancement and hopefully this will allow us to progress Nakora along a little bit quicker because we've been fairly slow so far at accruing experience. Just as a quick recap of last episode, Nakora and the Second Chance arrived on the orbital ammonia harvesting and industrial manufacturing low orbit station known as Osseus, the home of Creed, who we had originally sworn our initial iron vow to way back in episode zero. After trying to make his way around Osseus and create a copy of the hard drive that originally belonged to Subject Alpha, Nakora got discovered by someone or group of people with connections to Creed, and eventually he got more or less kidnapped by some of Creed's goons, brought into a more or less makeshift prison, which he escaped from, encountered some various shenanigans along the way, but eventually made his way to Creed, who was performing something called the Ceremony of Ascension, some sort of quasi-religious ceremony in which an artificial cybernetic limb or part of the body is bestowed upon his followers in a painful and ceremonial way. 
This cult around Creed, also known as the Prophet, appears to have even begun to spread beyond this one industrial area to other parts of the forge. This is interesting because one of our truths about the forge is that our old gods failed us. We left them behind. However, Creed is offering a better way for these people forward, a way to replace their corrupted and painfully scarred and burned limbs and other body parts with these cybernetics becoming closer to the robotic ideal that Creed holds to be true. Luckily for Nakora, he was able to successfully convince Creed that it was a misunderstanding and Creed forgives Nakora for any transgressions and Nakora hands over the actual true memory core of Subject Alpha to Creed. What ramifications this might have or negative effects on Subject Alpha going forward remains to be seen. Before we continue on, we do need to roll on our two secret clocks. Our first one is a near sure thing. Yes, which fulfills that clock. And our second one is 50-50. No, so nothing happens with that clock. It is still three out of eight pieces filled. So with our introduction out of the way, without further ado, let's get into it. Waiting for the Elodian drive to charge. The second chance sits in orbit around a rather nondescript ice planet. No settlements, no space stations, no life, no atmosphere, and really just nothing observable on this icy blue ball at the far edge of some nondescript solar system. Far off in the distance, a dull star twinkles idly, ever so slightly larger than the billions upon billions of other twinkling lights that dot the sky. Hunched over the flight computer and muttering idly to himself, cursing slightly under his breath, Nakora works tirelessly with deep purple bags under his eyes and a solemn look to his skin, stretched tight across his face. I swear that if I ever get Chance back, I haven't had to do this shit by hand in a decade. On the screen in front of him is the endlessly changing and naturally now for the second chance out of date nav data trying to plot the various twisting and oftentimes hopelessly tangled and turbulent drifts. Looking up from his tireless work, Nakora once again only sees the back of Petra's head as she sits with her feet up on the console in front of her, merely staring out at this banal blue orb. She hasn't even said three words to Nakora since she berated him upon leaving Osius once Nakora admitted he gave the memory core of Subject Alpha to Creed. This is the most strained that their relationship has been since they first met all those weeks ago aboard the space station Prosperity. Growing increasingly frustrated with his inability to properly chart their location, Nakor sighs and leans back in his chair. Look, Petra, I know you're pissed at me, but I really didn't have any other choice. If I didn't complete that vow, the bastard was probably going to kill me and raid the ship and take it. Andy would have discovered the AI brain itself, putting us in a much worse situation than we are now. 
Nothing but silence greets Nikora in return. Come on, Petra. Say something, at least. This isn't getting us anywhere. I'm trying to do all this charting and navigation by myself. Chance is seemingly nowhere to be found. And Tinker thinks, well, I still have words to share with him, but Tinker probably unleashed Subject Alpha's consciousness into the ship. And we really need to work together because who knows what's going on inside the circuitry of the Second Chance right now. Does Nakora get through to Petra? This is really straining and testing their relationship. When your relationship with the connection is tested, roll plus heart. If you share a bond, add plus one. We do share a bond. So with a heart of one, we roll plus two. We had a five on our action dice and a four and a five on our challenge dice, giving us a strong hit. On a strong hit, develop your relationship. Since we overcame a test of our relationship, we mark progress per the rank of the connection. However, we already share a bond with Petra, so we roll their rank, which Dangerous is plus two, and see what happens. We rolled a one and a five on our challenge dice, and a one on our action dice, which is a weak hit. On a weak hit, plus two momentum, bringing us up to plus five. Letting out a big sigh, and finally turning around to face Nakora. He sees wetness wringing her eyes. Not quite tears, but she's clearly nearly on the verge of crying. Petra, Nakora says. What's going on? Why do you despise AI the way you do? Clearly you have some deeper connection beyond the mere stories that you grew up on. Petra nods. Yes, Nakora, she says, blinking away the wetness in her eyes. There is more to the story. And my question is, what exactly is Petra's relationship with AI? Why does she despise it so much? There has to be something going on. So let's roll on an action and theme. 86 sees. 91 trade. Petra opens and then closes her mouth, thinking, before looking Nakora dead in the eye, with her characteristic intensity back for the first time in many days. Nakora, what I'm about to tell you is something only shared amongst nobility, something which my own father died to learn. If you want to know, you will be brought into this conflict. You will know too much, and they will attempt to find you and they will attempt to kill you, just for knowing. Do you want that responsibility, Nakora? Nakora sits back and thinks about it. You know, Petra, at this point, I think we're fairly well intertwined. You're a member of my crew. I swore I would help you. What I need now is information in order to do so. Yes, Petra, I will bear the responsibility. I already swore the vow to you that I would help you bring the AI to your family. Why is this important? Why this hatred for AI? Petra closes her eyes and begins to tell the story of her family to Nakora. In summary, there has been a century of peace between the three major noble houses and their various minor house allies within the forge. Much of the destruction and loss of knowledge that occurred after the Exodus was because of a 50-year war between the three great houses known as the Great House War. 
During this period, House Notice, House Vulturius, and House Navis, along with two additional houses, one of which was exterminated and the other which lost its great house status, warred across the entirety of the forge leaving many planets burned out or with their infrastructure so thoroughly demolished they were catapulted back into the Dark Ages. The conclusion of this Great House War was brokered by the various unions which exist outside of the nobility in an effort to try and halt the wanton destruction and potential utter annihilation of humanity within the Forge. This war touched nearly every corner of the forge, and its scars can still be easily seen and felt today, especially outside of the terminus, where most of the rebuilding has occurred in the last century. However, this century of relative peace is being threatened with the possibility of another house war. Petra's house, House Notice, is renowned for its widespread and highly successful spy network. This spy network was led by Petra's own father, who had learned of a disturbing rumor within House Vulturius, a rumor which would go against the very laws established by the nobility. The rumor was that House Vulturius was actually being secretly run by an AI an AI left over from the Exodus, a dangerous and unpredictable, yet vastly more intelligent and devious than any human could ever be. Petra's own father led an operation deep within the fortified stronghold of House Vulturius. However, they met with opposition as they were extracting from the mission, and he, along with whatever evidence may have been recovered, were lost at the hands of House Vulturius snipers. And only Mr. Daisuke, Petra and her sister Amari's tutor, made it out alive and back to House Notice. Unfortunately, he lacked any evidence of what was occurring at House Vulturius, and when he broke the news to Petra's mother, the matriarch, at this point Petra trails off and goes silent, and only with the subtle urging from Nakora continues. Her mother snapped at the death of her father. Something inside of her changed, and she convinced Mr. Daisuke to help train Petra and her twin sister into being highly trained and skilled infiltrators, with the purpose of eventually infiltrating into the House Vulturius stronghold and recovering information about the supposed AI and the body of their father. While Petra's sister took to the training with glee and happiness, even allowing cybernetic enhancements to be installed, augmenting her strength and dexterity. Her sister is a deadly assassin, perhaps one of the most deadly people in the entirety of the Forge. A single tear runs down Petra's face as she thinks of her sister and what happened to her. Nakora looks up at her. So you refused the cybernetics? You somehow were free from it? Petra shakes her head. It's not that easy, Nakora. You don't understand what my mother is like. She's the matriarch. When I refused the cybernetics, she... She didn't give me a choice. She said if I wasn't going to take them willingly, she'd install a chip in my brain. She'd make me... She'd make me take them. I would not have a choice in the matter. My free will would be eliminated. I saw what happened to my sister as they installed these cybernetics. 
the more robotic she became, the less of her personality she retained. I don't know if there was some sort of brainwashing or indoctrination or if they installed a chip in her head as well, but she was no longer the sister I grew up with. We no longer shared that link that twins do. Another tear rolls down Petra's face and the chorus simply remains quiet. I have to find her. I have to get her out of there. My mother's gone mad. Silence fills the cockpit for a long minute. And finally, Nakora speaks up. So how did you get out? How did you escape from that hell? Petra sighs heavily. Only with the death of my one true friend I had left. I remember the night like it was yesterday. Mr. Daisuke came down to the, well, it was a prison I was staying in. A nice prison, but a prison nonetheless. He came down with the module, the chip to be installed in my brain to make me, to force me to cooperate with my mother's plans. However, it was all a ruse. Mr. Daisuke helped me to escape, arranged for my transit off-world, the changing of my name and my profession. He arranged it all. Unfortunately, it's really hard to keep secrets from house notice. We have tendrils, fingers everywhere, especially within the terminus. One of those fingers, one of those tendrils, had snaked its way into the transportation Mr. Daisuke arranged for me to take off world. The plan was for him to help me get out of the palace in the dead of night using... An informant from one of the criminal syndicates that operates very closely with my family. One of them betrayed Mr. Daisuke, shot him in cold blood right in the back as he was turning to leave. Luckily, the rest of the gang was still loyal. However, that bastard, he had planted some sort of explosive device aboard the shuttle we were on. She subconsciously reaches a hand up to her burnt and scarred face and neck. I almost didn't survive that bomb. Believe that was the intention. As we lay scattered on the shore, my flesh melting off my face, I swore revenge. Revenge on my mother. Revenge on the damnable AI which led to the death of my father. And this whole spiraling cascade towards war. She looks at her hands, also bearing the same scars. Luckily, my identity was taken from me that day. No facial recognition, no fingerprints read me anymore. I've become the infiltrator my mother always wanted me to be. I suspect she knows I'm alive, and I suspect she wants me back. I thought that with that thing we have in the cargo hold, we could learn a little more about whatever construct they have at House Volturius. We could learn a weakness, exploit it. However, now I see the truth. At least, I think I do. That thing we have in the cargo hold won't help us. That memory core you gave to that man, Creed, he may do the same thing Volterius did. Create some crazy cult at the beck and call of an evil AI. But there's nothing I can do about it now. The only thing I can do is expose the truth of House Volterius and maybe, just maybe, get some kind of justice for not only my father, Mr. Daisuke, but also whatever has become of my sister and the paranoid, shriveled husk that has become of my mother. Our house, my house, teeters on the edge of ruin, and the rest of the forge has no idea just how close we are, teetering on the precipice of all-out war. She goes quiet again and looks up to Nakora, now with tears streaming down her face. 
I can't ask you to do any of this, Nakora. When you rescued me from the prosperity, I'd more or less given up hope. Thought I was going to die there, aboard that damn space station. You now know my story. You now know the secrets that I hold so dear. She gets a hard look in her narrowed eyes as she glares at Nakora. However, I'll warn you, even if we go our separate ways, I'll kill you if you get in my way or try and stop me. A bit taken aback at the sudden shift in her mood, Nakora puts his hands up. Trust me, Petra, I never was going to go against you. Unlike most others, I take my vows seriously. When I swore that vow to you, I vowed to help you find your sister, return the AI to your family. We're part of the same crew now. Although there ain't gonna be any rewards or anything like that, we gotta stick together. You, me, Tinker, and I guess whatever happened to Chance. We'll work together. We'll see this thing through. You have my word and my vow. During the lengthy pregnant silence that follows, a soft ding comes from Nakora's console as he looks back down at it. All right, looks like the drive's charged. He looks up over the console back at Petra. Are you with me? She simply nods, turns back around to stare out at the icy blue planet below. I guess that means, by your leave, we need to head towards the terminus. Be warned, Nakora. Things are likely to get dangerous. Nakora simply shrugs. What else is new? He says as he plunges the lever down, engaging the E-drive. And with that, our episode fades to black. Thank you, thank you so much for listening to the One Guy, One Roll podcast. None of this would be possible without all y'all taking the time out of your day to tune in and listen along. This episode ended up being very heavy with some backstory and world building, which really helped to flesh out what's going on with the noble houses in the forge and gives us an idea of what exactly Petra's all about. Talk a little bit more next episode about the political situation in the Terminus, which is where it seems like we're going to be heading next. That is, of course, if the dice cooperate with that plan. Not to mention, we also need to find somewhere to recuperate. The Korra and the Second Chance itself are really beat up. And now, as we know from our intro, they're also being followed. I really am intending to try and keep at least producing two episodes a month, and maybe I'll be able to even squeeze a third one in there, as now I'm gone for work two weeks out of every month. And of course, if you are interested in providing any monetary support for the podcast and helping me to maintain all the equipment I use for it and the various software as well, do have a Patreon over on patreon.com slash one guy one roll as little as a dollar a month really does help to support this project and it is always greatly appreciated as always i'd like to provide a huge thank you to all of the members currently who belong to the solo rpg guild thank you to journeyman wes journeyman jl journeyman stefan journeyman james and of course apprentice sam thank you so much y'all you guys are fantastic And with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. As always, I've been your host, player, and GM Hero Cities, signing off. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.